this series that we've been doing on uh, entitled God with us, we've been using Matthew chapter 1 verse 23 as a launching point, which by the way will be the main text for next Sunday uh, in our service. But this is what it says. Matthew wrote, and he's really quoting uh, an Old Testament passage, but he says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. And what does that mean? Everybody say it out loud with me, which means God with us. We're talking about the presence of God in different seasons of life because we experience God in different ways based on what's going on around us. We, we, we need him in our lives in different ways based on the circumstances of our life at the moment. And the first week we talked about the presence of God in the valleys and we learned the, the key principle that we enjoy God on the mountaintops, but we get to know him intimately in the valleys. And then last week we talked about God in the wilderness and we learned that God often whispers. He whispers in the wilderness. Why does God often whisper? If you remember, he whispers because he's close. He whispers because he's close. And we learned a valuable principle last week, and that is that your deepest need becomes a gift when it drives you to de depend on God. Our deepest needs become gifts when they drive us to, to depend on God. And today, what I want to do is I want to talk about God's presence in the storms. And here's something I know to be true. And this is uh, not exactly a word of encouragement, but this is just a word of reality. This is what I know to be true. You are either coming out of a storm, you're in the middle of a storm, or there's a storm just around the corner. Anybody know what I'm talking about? How many of you, that doesn't make anybody want to shout hallelujah, does it? I mean, that's not encouraging at all, but I have found, I think most of us have found, it be, to, found that to be true because we have found that life can be difficult and it seems like you're either coming out of a difficult time or, or you're in the middle of a difficult time or you know that there are difficult and painful things waiting for you around the corner. And the question that we have to ask ourselves that we want to examine today is where is God with you in the midst of the storm? You know, we talk about storms. We've had a, a number of big storms hit our country in recent years. We've had some big hurricanes hit some of our coastal areas. I, I was actually thinking about this when I was thinking about storms this week. I, it's funny to me, maybe it's not funny, haha, but it's odd to me that we name killer storms after the names of people. Isn't that, have you ever thought about that? I mean, there was Hurricane Irma, Hurricane Harvey. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm just glad we don't name everyday events after people's names. You know what I'm saying? Think about it. Like if you couldn't make it to work and you started naming your excuses as to why you, you couldn't make it to, to work, you'd call your boss and say, well, boss, I, I can't come in today because of hangover Howie. You know, <laughs> you know, it's like, he just took me out. It's a category four hangover. That's what's going on. Or, you know. Or maybe you'd be like, I'm really sorry I couldn't be there. I got hit. Diarrhea Diana, you know. <laughs> she was a rough one. Woo, it was a rough night, I'm telling you. <laughs> just, just think how odd it would be if we named other categories of things with, name, with human names, you know. But, you know, I, I mean, was that too far? Was, 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 was that too far? I'm not sure. But uh, for years, 
though that wasn't the case with hurricanes, they, they didn't use to name storms after people's names. They named them after the ge geographical places, for example, when it would, where it would hit, that sort of thing. And then in 1954, that was the first year that U U.S. meteorologists started naming storms <laughs> after their wives and their girlfriends. Because <laughs> they started using these women. How stupid is that? You know what I'm saying? I mean, so imagine I'm a meteorologist and I come home and I'm like, hey, hey, Julie, there's this Category 5 storm. It's going to kill a lot of people and cause all kinds of damage. Reminding me of you. We call it Hurricane Julie. By the way, I love you. <laughs> you know, it's just not going to fly over very well. But for, for 25 years, they named storms after females. And then in 1979, they finally had equal rights for storms and they started naming them after men as well. First, the first hurricane after a man was Hurricane Bob. Hurricane Bob. It just seems like underwhelming to me. You should have at least gone with Robert or something. I don't know. But, but anyway, I also learned in my research, and you probably already know this, is that there's, if there's a particularly bad storm, they retire that name and they never, ever use it again. So that's your history lesson on the, the naming of storms. But, but, but all that to say this, having a little fun there, but... Unfortunately, some of you are in a storm right now, and you might be tempted to name that storm. I just wish I could get through the, the storm divorce. I wish I could get through that storm depression. I wish you, I could get through this financial storm. I wish I could get through this relational storm, whatever it is. And sometimes we find ourselves in the middle of real, real pain, and we just want the storm to go, to, go away. Now, what do you do when you're in the middle of a storm. Unfortunately, what a lot of people do is they blame God for the storm. They blame him, or, or if they don't blame him, they'll say, well, where is God here in the middle of the storm? It's, why is God allowing this? I don't understand. Where is God in the middle of this storm? Well, here, that leads us to our key thought for today, and that is this. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Never allow the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. I, I want to look today at Acts chapter 27. That's where we're going to be most of our time today. We're, we're going to look at some men who are on a, on a boat in the middle of a massive, crazy, bad storm. And this storm went on for several days. They were caught in it. In fact, they were driven across the Mediterranean Sea by this storm. And this crew, that this very experienced crew was terrified. They say it was so terrified they started throwing cargo overboard. They believed that this storm was going to take them out. This was a storm they thought they would not survive. We'll pick up the story in Acts 27, verse 20. And this is what it says. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging. And I wonder how many of you could use that phrase for something you're going through right now in your life. You just look at what's going on and you see the storms around you and it just seems like you haven't seen the stars or the sun or the moon or anything for so long and the storm continues raging. It just won't stop. The storm continued raging and then it said, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. 
Now that phrase really gets to me because I talk to people all the time over, the, over my years of ministry that have, have just given up hope. They've given up all hope. There's just no way for this marriage to make it. There's just no way I'm gonna, ever going to be able to climb out of this financial debt. There's no way I'm going to be able to beat this cancer. I'm going to be alone for the, for the rest of my life. We're never, ever going to be able to conceive. After what happened, I'm never going to be able to afford graduating from college. They gave up all hope. The storm continued to rage and they gave up all hope. Verse 21 says this. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Now, how many of you, how many of you if you've been on that boat right now, you probably would have wanted to punch Paul in the nose right there, <laughs> you know, because uh, here he is. You just want to say, you jerk, you're on a boat too. What you? But he says, you should have taken my, voice, my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. So, so we see Paul was just a regular guy. As spiritual as he was, as godly as he was, he was not above doing what so many of us really love to do. And that is saying, I told you so when you're right. Anybody here ever say, I told you so? He's like, I'm not admitting that. Let me ask you this. Anybody here ever been told, I told you so? There we go. Now we get a response. There we go. But uh, he says, if you just listen to my advice, you wouldn't be in the middle of the storm. But why? Here's the question. Why were they in the storm? Well, some of them were in the storm because of a decision they made. It was their fault that they were in the storm. They made a decision. The captain, those that were in leadership, the owner of the boat, everybody that was involved in this decision, they made a decision to go out when the environment was risky. How many of you have ever noticed uh, how, how many people love to blame the devil for everything? You ever, you ever seen people like that, you know? It's the devil's fault, you know? That's what it's like. The devil did this. The devil, the devil did this. That's what happened there. Well, sometimes it's just not the devil. Sometimes, and, and if anybody can under, relate with this, I want to hear an amen. Sometimes it's your own dumb fault. <laughs> Somebody, I feel like you've been there before. I feel like you've been there. Sometimes you find yourself in the middle of the storm because of decisions that you've made. And there are, there are people right now saying amen and elbowing the person next to you. Don't do that. We don't need, just like, yeah, listen, the man, he's right. You, it's your fault. You know, that's not what I'm saying. But sometimes you're in the middle of the storm because you decided to spend too much money. Sometimes you're in the middle of the storm because your emotions got the best of you and you said something that you should have never said. Sometimes you're in the middle of the storm because you procrastinated and you put something off. It's not the devil's fault you didn't pass the final exam. It's your fault that you, you, you ate Domino's pizza all night and stayed up too late and you waited to the last minute to study. Sometimes you're in a storm because you dated him when everybody else told you not to date him. Your mama told you not to date him. Your daddy told you not to date him. Your pastor told you not to date him. Your best friend told you not to date him. My goodness, the fortune cookie told you not to date him. You know what I'm saying? But you argue back, but he's got so much potential. He has so much potential. He's got potential to ruin your life. That's the potential he's got, but you dated him anyway. Sometimes you're in the middle of a storm because it's just your own fault. And maybe that's where they are. Maybe they gave up hope because it was their own fault. Because I don't know about you, but 
It's easier for me to believe that God will get me out of a storm when God got me into the storm than it is for me to believe that God will get me out of the storm that I got myself into. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, how can I expect God to rescue me? This is my fault. I don't even deserve to be rescued, which, by the way, is at the very core of the gospel. It's the very core of the cross. He didn't do it because you deserve to be saved. He didn't do it because you, 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 I mean, he came because it was our fault. And the storm continued to rage and they gave up all hope. Now, having said that, I will also say that it is true that some people in the, were in the storm at no fault of their own. Paul was there at no fault of his own. He, he had begged him not to go. He had said, hey, this is a bad idea. I've traveled a lot in this part of the world, and I know that this time of year, this is a bad idea to try to make this journey, but they wouldn't listen to him, and he's a prisoner. He couldn't just get off the boat and say, I'm just going to wait here. So there were people like him. Sometimes we end up in the middle of a storm, not because of our decisions, but because of the decisions of others. And those are the moments where we feel the most self-righteous, by the way. Like I said, Paul had begged them not to leave the safe harbor when they did. And maybe that's what prompted him to go so far as to say, well, you know, if you'd taken my advice, then we'd be, we'd be okay. But listen, I don't know anything about the crew, but I'm sure there were probably a few guys on there that said, hey, you know what, Paul is saying we shouldn't go. So he's a man of God, maybe we shouldn't go. But the captain said, they're, they're gonna go. So they ended up in the middle of the storm and it's not their fault. How many of you have ever been in the middle of a storm that wasn't your fault? Anybody here ever been there? Don't point anybody. <laughs> You'll just say, yeah, it was his fault. Just acknowledge it. But you know, like sometimes as kids, your parents end up divorcing and you're in the middle of a storm and it's not your fault. Your company made all sorts of bad decisions and they ended up having to downsize and, and then you were a casualty of that and you lost your job and you're in the middle of a storm that really wasn't your fault. Or you trusted somebody. They gave you their word. They, they, you believed them at their word and you thought they would do what they said they would do, but they didn't deliver and now you're in a storm that wasn't your fault. Whatever the case may be, in the middle of the storm, Sometimes, especially when the storm goes on and on and on like it did for them, it's so easy to give up all hope. The storm continued to rage and they gave up all hope. Never, never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. So what, listen to what Paul says in verse 22. Because he, he, he starts off by saying, well, you know, if you had followed my advice, we wouldn't be facing this situation right now. But he said, but now I urge you to keep up your courage. And some of you need to hear that today. You need to hear me say to you, keep up your courage. Keep the faith. Stay strong. Keep moving forward. Don't give up because, because the storm is not going to take you down. He said, keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of, of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. I want to stop there for just a moment. If you're in the middle of a storm, 
the presence of God is with you in this morning, in, in the middle of that storm. You have no idea all the different ways that God is with you. He could be, he could be with you in the form of a supernatural being like an angel. That's like he, an angel appeared to Paul. You know, and, and we believe in the supernatural realm. We believe that there are angels that we cannot see. I, I think there are angels here today. And there might be a couple of really big angels behind me, which that would be kind of cool. I don't know, but, but it would be kind of cool. Uh, and some of you, you know, you talk, people talk about guardian angels. I've seen how some of you drive and you really make your guardian angel sweat. That's all I can say. Um, anyway, that's neither here nor there. But it, but, but, but it might be something like that. But I can guarantee you he is with you in the form of his spirit. If you are a follower of Jesus, his spirit dwells in you. He goes before you. Our God is already in tomorrow. He is not bound by time. He is there already. He knows what's going on. He's already got it t- taken care of. It's all under control. On top of that, He is hearing your prayers right now. He may not be answering the way that you want Him to, but He is listening and He is hearing every single prayer that you pray. He is comforting you in your hurts. He is directing you when you're lost. You have no idea all the different ways that God is with you in the presence of the storm. Paul says, an angel of the Lord stood beside me in the middle of this storm. So never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God in your life. How many of you want some bonus verses? Anybody want a bonus verse? Okay, it doesn't matter. You're going to get one anyway. Uh, A couple of them, as a matter of fact, but this is what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, verses 16 and 17. He said, at my first defense, no one stood by me, but everyone deserted me may not be counted against them. But then verse 17, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Some of you need to hear this. You need to realize this. You need to get this down deep in your spirit. In what you're going through right now, the Lord has not left you. He promised He would never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is still with you right by your side. And He is giving you strength even when you don't realize He's giving you strength. David said this in the Old Testament, Psalm 16, 8, one of my favorite verses. It says, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for He is right beside me. See, it's all about who is beside you, who is with you. When you realize God is with you, it changes your posture. It changes your mood. It changes your faith. It changes your, it, it, it redirects your mindset. It's, it's all about who is with you. you know, I remember a time when I was a very young child. Uh, my older brother and I, this was back in the days when you could send your children to the corner market without being afraid that something's going to happen to them. So this was right after the end of the Civil War, you know, <laughs> when I was a young child. Um, anyway, uh, we, we were living in, a, in a, I could tell you the address of the house, 1001 Bales. How, that's really, really strange. But we were living in this house. We were renting the house. But there was just right up the, the, the block, uh, there was a corner market there. And my mom had sent my older brother and I to the store to pick something up. I have no idea what it was. Something little, uh, no doubt, you know, with it just being us two boys. But as we're coming back from the store, there's this neighborhood bully that stopped us and, and, he, and he told us that he was going to beat us up if we didn't give all the, the change 
from the store to him. And so he was much bigger than we were, much stronger than we were. And so we complied. We gave the money away. Well, when we got home, guess what my mom wanted? She wanted the change, right? And so she, she, uh, we told her what happened. And my mom knew exactly what to do. You know what she did? She told my dad. She told my dad. And so my dad, he grabbed us. He loaded us up in the car. And we started driving around the neighborhood looking for this bully. And as we're driving around the neighborhood, we eventually saw him. And as soon as he said, that's him, my dad pulled over, whipped in here and stopped. And he jumped out of the car, went up to that kid. And that bully who thought he was so big and bad, he thought he was really something until all of a sudden he was saw a full grown man in front of him. And he meekly handed that money back over to my dad. And I remember my dad telling him, and if you knew my dad, he was so meek and mild mannered. This is just so uh, so it'd be so out of character if you, if you knew him, but he said, but my dad got that money back from him and he looked at that, that kid, uh, probably a teenager. And he told him, listen, if you ever mess with my boys again, he said he'd tan his hide or something similar to those lines. You know what? After that event, all of a sudden, because, because of who was with me, because of who was standing behind me, it changed my posture, it changed my demeanor, it changed my confidence. And I, I walked through that neighborhood the rest of the time we lived with confidence, and I, and I didn't fear that bully any longer because he knew that if he messed with me, then he was going to have to deal with my dad, and he didn't want any part of my dad. It's all about who's with you. And the enemy, he'll come and he'll try to bully you. He'll try to, to steal from you. He'll try to destroy you. All of these things. But you know what? The truth is, he doesn't want really any part of you because he knows that you're standing with your father. And the father, when he's standing behind you, he doesn't want to mess with him. When you recognize that even though you're in the middle of the storm, the Lord is with you and he is strengthening you, it changes how you ride out the storm. It changes how you ride out the storm. It's all about who's in the boat in the middle of the storm. In fact, in the New Testament, there's a powerful story about the disciples being in a different boat and a different storm. And in this one, it's kind of interesting because in the middle of this storm, Jesus is asleep in the, in the, in the back of the boat. When, when the storm rolled in, he's, he's just dead away asleep. And, and the disciples did what we so often do when a storm blows in. They freaked out. This isn't fair. We're going to die. Jesus, where are you? What? Why don't you care? Aren't you going to do anything? Oh, this is not good. This is not, I don't like what, where this is going. And they wake up, Jesus, don't you care that we're going to die? And Jesus walks out on the deck of the boat. He says, oh, ye of little faith, why are you so afraid? And Jesus says, peace, be still. And they experienced peace in the boat. Why did they experience peace in the boat? Because Jesus was on the boat. You see, real peace is not found in the absence of a storm. Real peace is found in the presence of Jesus. 
Real peace isn't found in a trouble-free life. Let me just tell you this. This is a word of reality. You will never have a trouble-free life on this earth. Following Jesus doesn't mean that bad things don't happen and bad days don't happen. That's bad theology to think it does. Jesus said in, in 16, uh, John 16, 33, he said, In this world, you will have trouble. You will have trouble. That's a promise from Jesus. We like to claim our promises, don't we? But we don't like to claim every promise. But he says, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. He said, I have overcome the world. Real peace is not found in the absence of trouble. Real peace is found in the presence of Jesus. He is with me. He's right beside me. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. Look at Acts 27, 23 again. I want you to see what Paul said. He said, last night, an angel of the, of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. In other words, he said, you can't go down in this storm, Paul, because God has more battles for you to fight. Someone in this place needs to hear this today. You can't go down in the storm because God has more for you to do. He's not finished with you yet. If you're not dead, you're not done. God has more people for you to love. He has more opportunities for you to serve. He's got more times that he's calling you to be a blessing. You're not going down in this storm. The ship may go down. There may be loss around you, but the storm will not take you out. Take that as a word from the Lord for you today. In fact, here's the reality. God will use what you learn in your storm to prepare you to help others through their storms. See, I love this because what that means, means there is a purpose in the storm. The storm didn't surprise God. God is doing something in you. In the middle of that storm, he's speaking to you. He's strengthening you. He's deepening your roots and he will use what you learn in your storm to help somebody else make it through theirs. One day you'll be talking to somebody and you'll say, oh, I tell you what, I've been through a storm just like that. Oh, we survived unfaithfulness in our marriage, so I know you can survive it in yours as well. Oh, we, came, we overcame financial hardship. We did what was right, and, and we climbed out of debt. You can climb out of debt as well. I know you can do this. Or I used to be in bondage to this or to that, but the grace of Jesus has set me free, and the same Christ who set me free can set you free as well. And suddenly you start to become an evangelist for the presence of God who never leaves you in the middle of the storm. God is doing something. He is working in you. You, you don't always know it when you're in the middle of the storm, but on the other side of the storm, you look back. When you're safe on the shore, you often look back and say, Whoo! Man, I wouldn't want to go through that again. And I wouldn't want anybody else to go through that. But then looking back, you'll say, but I would never, ever trade the intimacy, the spiritual depth, the character, the trust, the faith in God that is mine as a result of walking through that storm. Verse 25, Paul says, so keep up your courage, men, for I have what? Say, say it out loud with me. For I have 
Faith in God. I need a little bit of help here. I'm gonna, if I'm going to preach hard, I need you to preach hard too. Is that fair enough? Fair enough? I'll say it out loud. For I have what? Faith in God. That what? Say it with me. That it will happen just as he told me. I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. My faith is not in what I see. My faith is in what God says. That's why this word is a foundation for your life. That's why this word is what you build your life on. Because my faith is not in what I see. My faith is in what God says. I have faith in God that what he says will come to pass. I have faith in God that it will happen. My faith is not in the boat. My faith is in the one who commands the wind and the waves. My faith is not in the ship. My faith is in the one who created the trees that made the ship. I have faith in my God that it will happen, that he will see us through, that he will be my deliverance, that he will provide, that my God will bring healing, that in the middle of the storm, I will experience his peace. I have faith in God that it will happen. Here's the bottom line. I think most of you have figured this out. You can't control when a storm blows up. You can't control how severe the storm is. You can't control how long the storm lasts. You can't control what people say about you. You can't control what people do to you. However, you can control what you believe and you can control where you place your faith. My faith is in the one who created the wind and the waves. My faith is in God. I have faith in God that what he says will come to pass. And what what he says will happen. Who is God? The psalmist in Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. He is our shelter. He, in the middle of the storm, He is our hiding place. He is our safety. He is our strength. He's always ready to help in times of need. Why? Because He is with us and by our side. Who is He? He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And because He is with us, then we read on in that psalm, because He is with us, therefore we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. We can say it this way. Even if I lose my job, even if the relationship does, uh, does fall apart, even if the economy gets shaky, I still will not be afraid. Why? Because He is with me. Because He will never leave me. Because He will never forsake me. Because He is what I need. Because He is my safety. Because He is my strength. Because He is my comforter. Because He is my source. Because He is my redeemer. Because He is my righteousness. Because He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Because He is my rock. Because He he is the living bread of life. Because He is the living water that satisfies my soul. Because He is the gate through which I enter. Because He is the guide who directs my steps. He is my comforter that ministers to me in the time of my need. He is my peace. 
peace is not found in the absence of a storm. Peace is found in the presence of Jesus. And he is with me. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that's why you never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. True peace is not found in the absence of storms or trials or troubles because that's just part of life. True peace is found in the presence, presence of Emmanuel, God with us. My faith is not in what I see. My faith is in what God says. And God says, it will happen. The storm will not take you down. Be at peace because God is with you. Bow your head. Father, we pray in the name of your risen son, Jesus, that today in this place you would do in the lives of those who are hurting what only you can do. And as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed and you're reflecting in prayer and you're just silent in his presence, those of you who would say, hey, pastor, I'm, I'm in the middle of a storm right now and I need the presence and the peace of Jesus. Would you just, if that's you, would you just lift your hands all over this building? Yes, all over the place. They're going up. Just lift it up as an act of faith of saying, Lord, I believe you. I'm, I, I trust you in the middle of this storm. Lord, I pray right now as there are so many that are hurting right now, I pray, God, that, that, that we would be sensitive, first of all, as your church, to reach out and to care for others and to minister to them and to even represent your love to them. And God, I, I just ask that, that, that they would sense your, your love through your family, that they would sense your presence in their lives in more ways than they can imagine, that they begin to see your hand moving, that, that your Holy Spirit, they would see that your Spirit is dwelling in them, that your living Word is soothing their hearts and renewing their minds, that you're already in tomorrow so they don't have to worry about tomorrow, that you're working in all things now, God, even things that we wish were never happening. You're still working in those things to bring about good to those who love you and those who are called according to your purpose. So now, God, as an act of faith, knowing that Jesus is in the boat with us, therefore we have nothing to fear. Now we cast our cares upon you because you care for us. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your presence that guards our hearts and our minds and our souls. And, and Lord, as you give us a supernatural peace, that this world knows nothing of. It makes no sense to them. We thank you for that peace because you dwell within those who know you. So God, I'm asking just a very simple prayer. Give us peace. Give us peace. It's one of the buzzwords of this time of year. God, let it be more than just a word and a song that we sing. But I pray that you would speak peace. Just like you did on that, on that boat that you would speak to the storms and you would say, peace, be still. And Lord, you could have calmed the storm the way you did or you could have calmed the hearts. You could have looked at the disciples and said, peace, be still. And they would have had peace even if the storm kept raging. So God, however you want to do it, we just trust you. 
If you want to still the storm, I know you can do that. So say, peace be still of the storm. But God, if you want to still us in the middle of the storm, help us to hear your voice, that whisper, because you're close, that says, peace, be still. Maybe we could add what the psalmist said, be still and know that I am God. Let your peace settle over our lives. Give us that peace, even in the midst of a storm. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.